You're listening to a chapel message from Trinity Christian College, recorded live at the Ozinga Chapel Auditorium in Palos Heights, Illinois. Good morning. As a kid, this reading, anything about Jacob was preferred for me because I got to see my own name in print. It's probably a little bit vain, but as a kid, it's one of the stories that I read often. And I think it has some bearing on this particular text today, even though Leah's not a main character in this particular chapter of Genesis. As a kid, I was in an after-school program. Anybody do after-school programs as a kid in elementary school? Okay, I don't have my glasses on, but I don't see any hands. Nobody did after-school? Okay, thank you. I see some hands over here. It's an after-school program. It was fine. We didn't love it. But then a new program was introduced. And so instead of just basic AYS, we had the chance to participate in a program called Voyager. And Voyager, just even in the name, sounded like it would be a whole vibe, way better than AYS would be. So I convinced my mother to sign me up because all of my best friends were also planning to do Voyager. And we were actually really unimpressed. We were paying more money for it, which was one of the reasons why my mom didn't want to do it. And I got there, and I was really disappointed. And we were like, you think the grass is greener on the other side? The grass is green. It's where you, where you water it. So we decided to get together and voice our grievances about Voyager, my friends and I. So we sat together in our program and wrote up all of the things that we didn't like. We got to be with the little kids. We're fifth graders. We've been in school with little kids all day. We don't want to be bothered with them. We don't get enough free time or gym time or time at the park. We wrote it up. We were really pleased with what we put together. And we marched into the unstaffed front office because it was after school hours and stuck it in Miss Jardine's mailbox, who also happened to be my homeroom fifth grade teacher. And the next morning, as we were supposed to be going into Miss Bolton Cooper's art class, Miss Jardine stopped my friends and I, and she wanted to know who had put this together. Y'all know what my friends did? They all pointed at me there when she did it. After we had worked on building this thing together, they all pointed to me. Well, being who God has made me to be, I crossed my hands and said, I did write that because I have some concerns that I would like to address with you as a fifth grader. So needless to say, I missed art class that day. And I sat with my teacher. And we talked about my concerns and why I thought they were legitimate and why they should be addressed. And over the next few weeks, we got more gym time. We got more time outside at the park, unstructured. And we got some time away from the little kids. And even though my friends left me out to dry, we did some change making together. Uh, that took a little bit of courage. I think it's probably part of my 
DNA not to be courageous, but to be willing to name the things that are hard, that I don't love about a given situation. Similarly, I studied religion at Ball State, Chirp Chirp, Go Cardinals. And I had one Christian prof. Most of my professors were pretty hostile to Christians and to the gospel. And I didn't mind speaking up. So when they would say things like, oh, you leave your faith at the door, I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, not sorry. Jesus is part of who I am. I'm going to bring that with me. I'm going to treat you right. But I'm not going to apologize for being a follower of Jesus. And I can remember visiting Muncie, where Ball State is, as an adult and having lunch with a friend after church. And... We're sitting in the middle of lunch, and one of her friends goes, I remember you. I'm like, I don't remember you. He's like, you always spoke up about your faith. We had classes together, but I was a new Christian, and I was always afraid to say anything. He's like, but I always appreciated it. It's like, yeah, this isn't helping me now. We've all graduated. Like, the hard conversations in the classrooms have already happened. But I share some of those stories. I might tell you a little bit about my personality. But I think more importantly, I think it, it tells you a little bit about, well, I think we, I think in general, people like the idea of being courageous. And that's why I'm sharing those stories. I think um, there's something really appealing, even if scary sometimes, about courage. Uh, we love stories about courage. We love the Lion King. Simba goes back to Pride Rock, like, that creates a sense of excitement. Um, if people like Cruella, I have small children, so we've watched Cruella. Like, have people seen Cruella that tells you, like, her origin story? It's a good one, right? Um, but there's also this, like, courage of having to confront her past and part of her story that's really painful. Um, and even when T'Challa and Black Panther confronts his father in the ancestral lands for not honoring his relatives and leaving his cousin Eric in Oakland to die and to not care for other people who were connected to Wakanda. There's other stories about courage, but I, th I think part of what is so energizing about it is this idea that it's this opportunity for faith over fear. Um, each of us has parts of our stories that we wouldn't want to confront, don't want to confront, don't want people to know about, um, because it requires um, courage. And courage can be really scary to exercise. Um, I think as a, as a kid, I didn't always realize my mom gave me enough motivation to say, like, you can challenge and ask hard things. Um, so I don't always feel like I had a whole lot to lose in some of those moments. But in other situations, when the stakes feel really high, that can be, feel scary. But it's the fact that it feels scary that oftentimes makes it feel really exciting. So, so when we think about things that we have, want to be or need to be courageous about, it might be in our own stories, experiences with abandonment or trauma or failure that we don't want to address or um, Sometimes I grew up in a community that would talk about your BC life, your before Christ life. Um, like, oh, you were out doing God knows what before Christ. People are like, oh, I don't want to talk about that part of my life. But it's like, yeah, like this is the beauty of the gospel and the hope that Jesus gives us. It's part of our testimonies. Or just moments when we weren't our best selves and the courage to be able to name and own that. 
um, and the fear that comes with people seeing us in that light or maybe judging us and saying the whole of who we are is defined by sometimes not our best moments. For us, it's about what we have done or what's been done to us. Um, the past can be scary and exercising courage can be really, really hard. And in Genesis 33, we see Jacob in a moment where he has to exercise some measure of courage. I was really grateful to Dr. Ribbons last week. I'm not wearing my glasses. So I really don't know if he's here. But um, one of the things that he said last week is that Jacob, up until this point, hasn't been a great model of faith. He called him a religious free agent. That he kind of was like, we'll see if I deal with you or not. Um, in relation to God. And we see him wrestle with God in the previous chapter and, um, and receive blessing. We know that um, God changes his name from Jacob to Israel, like that he's chosen and deeply loved by God. We see all of that. And um, even with all of that, we know that he also has this reputation as being a trickster. We saw it at, in his early story with his brother Esau. We see it in his relationships with his wives, Leah and Rachel, and um, with his father-in-law, Laban. And we see the ways that he has grasped for power in his life that has created isolation and fear. And when we encounter him in Genesis 33, he has been backed into a corner of sorts. When he deceived his brother, he, fl he fled for his life. He found himself you know, in Laban's area and ends up being able to find a way. First marries Leah, not by preference, works another seven years and marries Rachel. And after kind of fooling his father-in-law, he has to leave again, kind of being at some of this same behavior that gets him known as a trickster. And so in this text, we see him leaving his father-in-law's home with his family, his wives, his children, um, and encountering his brother for the first time after a lifetime apart. And if you know this story, you know that part of the animosity between these brothers is that Jacob has received Esau's birthright, and that was particularly difficult and challenging, so much so that Esau wanted to kill him, and so he fled for his life. So he's been gone long enough to marry two wives, and he worked seven years for Leah and another seven, so 14 for Rachel, has had numerous children, so he's been gone for quite a while, and he's encountering his brother again for the first time in a long time, and the last time they saw each other, he wanted to kill him. So he's had this whole walk with God and is still in this place of uncertainty. So here he is having to encounter his past. He's got to exercise a little courage, but he's experiencing a lot of fear. How do you know he's experiencing fear, Leah? Well, you see the way that he is organizing, puts his maid servants in front, and then Leah, who is the least desirable of his two wives and her children, and the text tells you that he is in the back with Rachel. 
so that when he encounters Esau, should Esau, with the 400 men he's brought with him, decide to pop off, he can split his groups and preserve some of the folks, but also his most loved wife is in the back with him. And I think it's interesting that in this moment of trying to exercise courage, the ways that you still see fear showing up, understandably, he wanted to take his life. Fair to be thinking about how to stay safe. And because of this grasping, he has lost out on connections with family and community for so much of his life. And I wonder sometimes about how that impacts us when we live in fear or when we don't choose courage, that we make assumptions about other people and behave accordingly. I mean, who wants to be known as who you were in high school or middle school if you encounter people today who knew you then? You'd like to think you've grown or changed a little bit? But that's, this is what's happening. Jacob is interacting with Esau based on an assumption about who he still is. Um, living in the past is hard, um, but it also means that we miss opportunities to trust God when we make assumptions. We miss out on things. And so even as he's trying to reconcile and exercise courage, he's still trying to strategize. It's the epitome of praying and worrying. Lord, I want you to make this right, but just in case, here's my backup plan. And there's harm that can be done in so many ways. God gives us so much instruction in Scripture about not leaning to our own understanding. Um, we see in Joshua this invitation to be bold and courageous and not to be fearful. And you've probably heard people say that 365 times in Scripture does it tell us to be um, courageous or to not fear. And if you Google it, they'll tell you it's not actually 365 times, but it's a lot of times that Scripture encourage us, encourages us not to be fearful and to be courageous. But for Jacob, he loses time. He experiences broken relationships and false narratives. Like so much harm can be done. We know it's a false narrative because the encounter with Esau is the complete opposite of what he came in expecting. He was ready to defend and to protect, and to a degree you can respect that. But on, on, on the other hand, it's like, here's a missed opportunity for faith and to not be afraid. And that can be hard. We see it all over Scripture. You think about David and Goliath how David was bold and courageous, but trained soldiers, military folks, everyone else was horrified. Even his own brothers were afraid. He was a little kid, and he was ready. He wasn't afraid. He, re he chose faith over fear. He really li lived into that opportunity. And I think those are opportunities that we have today in relationships and in our own lives to really identify the moments where we can trust God we can be courageous. Maybe it's in relationship with other people, but maybe it's just about the decisions that we have to make. When I think about being here at Trinity, uh, I, I think about actually moving away from Illinois in 2012 and really not wanting to leave at all. 
I was finishing my master's degree and I had a job opportunity in Minnesota and it was like, I don't want to live in Minnesota. It's cold there and I don't know anybody there. Um, but I was really intrigued by this opportunity. And I remember praying, Lord, help me to live in faith and not in fear. And so we went and we said we'd be there for four years and come back. Four years turned into three kids in a house and nine years later, we got to choose again what we would do. We lost a parent, had another parent diagnosed with cancer, and a third parent who's dealing with memory loss. And we said, God it didn't tell us that we need to move back to Illinois, but God gives us an opportunity, gives us the invitation to honor our parents. And we've just got two of them left now, so what do we want to do with that? So we left a church community who we love really dearly and the only home our children had ever known and a house in a neighborhood that we loved a whole, whole lot. And it was the weirdest thing to leave Minnesota praying the same prayer that I prayed that got me there, that I wanted to live in faith and not in fear. And I wouldn't be at Trinity if I wouldn't have made that decision. And even in these days, I find myself having to choose faith over fear. So I want to invite you to do the same thing. I want to invite you to be courageous in your life. I want you to trust God because there is so much good that comes from trusting God. Scripture tells us that God's promises are true. And part of how we get to experience those promises is when we put our faith in him and not in ourselves, not in people, that our hope and all of our trust are in him. And the things that he can do when we are willing to do that are amazing. They're not easy, they're not simple, but they're trustworthy. So that's my invitation to you today that you would live in faith, that you would choose faith over fear, and that you would be Courageous Trinity. Thank you for listening to Trinity Christian College's Chapel Podcast. To learn more about campus ministries at Trinity, visit trnty.edu slash chapel.